0: All right. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Really? All right. Good. Uh, Glad to hear it. If you guys want to go ahead and and, and get ahead of of me, uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 9. We're going to do uh, no small thing. We will finish a chapter in Luke today. Uh, We're finishing chapter 9 today, all 62 verses of it. Um, So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be beginning in verse 46. Today, um, we're going to be encountering a passage of scripture, a series of stories uh, about Jesus and his followers um, that has the capacity to to really humble us, I mean, really confront us. And also, it'll also probably make you laugh at some point. Um, The word of God is powerful, uh, it, is, it is exactly what we need. Um, guys, you need to be confronted with the words of Jesus. Um, you need to know the truth about God, the way that he's calling you to. The, the, the question I'm, I'm going to try to be answering today is, is, what is the way of Jesus? Like, If he's saying, follow me, how, what does that look like? What's the way? What what does a follower of Jesus look like? What does he do? What does he value? How does he respond to various circumstances? What is the way of Jesus? We're going to have these four little stories kind of piled up on top of each other. Um, And my hope and my prayer is that they would meet you right where you are and that you would respond to Jesus' invitation to follow him with with a yes. That you wouldn't put it off till some other Sunday. That you wouldn't wait until there's a better sermon. No guarantees there. Okay? But that you would look to Jesus who says follow me and you say yes. That's my prayer that at the end of this sermon we would be compelled to follow Jesus more fully. And I'm not just talking to people who, who aren't Christians yet. I know that that may sound like I'm I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus, but some of you are Christians. You have followed Jesus. You have have been saved. You have placed your faith in him, and yet, in various aspects of your life, in different ways, you have set aside the lordship of Jesus. And my prayer for you today is that you be confronted in that. That when you hear the words of your king, he would call. He would call, follow me, and you would say yes. You'd put down whatever else has been taking up your life, your heart, your your attention, and then you would follow him. That's my prayer. I'm going to read this passage in its entirety. Um. Get quiet when it's serious. You can laugh when it's funny. You know. There's uh, my my. As we're reading this, I want to encourage you, um, In in what I like to call a a sanctified imagination, okay? Um, These are stories. It's a narrative story. These are things that happened, people, real people in real places. So imagine the dust in your sandals. Imagine you've been following Jesus, and he's been casting out demons and raising the dead, feeding thousands, teaching with authority. Imagine you've been doing that, and and these words come. Luke 9, verse 46. An argument arose among them, among the disciples, as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and, and said to them, whoever receives This child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, all, is the one who is great. And John answered, oh, master, master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. And Jesus said to him, do do not stop him. For the one who is not against you is for you. And when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent his messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciple James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Man, right? Whoa, guys. Okay. Um, (laughs) But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but, but he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And, and Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we need your word today. God, Paul wrote that all scripture is, is breathed out by God and is useful, profitable. For rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, instructing us so that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. And so, Lord, do your work through your word today. By your Spirit, God, correct us where we need correcting. Train us where we need training. Instruct us where we need instructing. God, equip us for every good work that you've called us to. God, let us leave here empowered by your words through your spirit we pray this in jesus name amen all right so i'm gonna break these four passages up i'm gonna try to give you uh four tips along the way what is the way of jesus first the way up is down the least is the greatest An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. All right. This is our first verse in our passage today, and I love it. I love it. Love that these disciples have been with Jesus, and they're like, well, there's 12 of us. There can only be one best one. Which of us is the best one, right? That they have taken time out of their day to compare one another and say, I wonder which one of us is the best one of us, right? And we love to laugh at that. But how much of your life is spent wondering who's better than me, right? Who's, who's worse than me so I can feel good about that, right? What does everyone think of me? How can I make other people think I'm better than I think I am, Right? And so this discussion arises among the disciples and they say, who is the greatest? And Jesus, knowing their, the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side. So Jesus looks at us and all of our wondering, all of our searching, all of our climbing, And he says, um, you, little little guy, come over here for a second. Right? I love, First of all, I love that there's a kid right there, right? That, that means Jesus is hanging out with kids, right? Isn't that great? Like a lot of times we think Jesus, and they're like kind of this boys club. There's ladies around. There's kids around. It's loud, messy, right? And so these guys are arguing, and Jesus takes a kid. the disciples probably hadn't looked twice at, right? Hadn't even noticed. And he says, hey, you want to be great? Love this guy. Man, see this guy. Open your heart to this child. Open your life, your affections to this, this image bearer of God that you have ignored the whole time we've been here. The disciples probably gut-punched. What? This guy? Him? Jesus, we are clearly past the babysitting phase of our ministry. Right? I am far too advanced in the ways of following you to waste my time on this little person. And he's like, no, you are not. In fact, if that's what you think, you have missed the point. If you think That in following Jesus, it is a a climb to the top. You have missed the point. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he identifies himself with this child. He says, if you receive this child in my name, it's just like you're receiving me. You receive me, guess what? You're receiving the one who sent me. And so there is a a call of Jesus to see the people nobody else sees, to humble ourselves and serve the lowest of the low, the least of these. He looks at his disciples and he's like, you are not too good to serve in Redemption Kids. (laughs) It's a little bit of a dig there, right? What a privilege to share your life with children. To, To do the invisible acts of love. Some of you have felt that moment in the middle of the night, when this child is screaming, waking you up, and you go out there, and you lovingly pick him or her up out of their bed, and you smell the smells, and you're like, oh, gosh, you're so gross, you know, and you put them on the changing table, and you change this child's diaper, and nobody sees, and you sit down in a chair, and you hold him until they stop crying, until they settle down and you put them down and you love this little child and nobody sees. And Jesus says, that is greatness. That is beautiful. That is the way up. Down. Stop thinking so highly of yourselves that you cannot see the people that Jesus has loved. This theme of the way up is down is consistent throughout the Bible and especially in Luke. There's a preoccupation with the words up and down in Luke. You'll see it over and over again, but the first time you see it is in Luke chapter 1 in the Magnificat, in Mary's song of praise to God. As she's carrying Jesus in her womb, she says, He has shown strength with His arm." He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary is anticipating in the ministry of Jesus a great reversal where the proud will be brought low and the humble will be exalted where the the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus is saying, if you want to know the way of following me, it is serve. Love the last and the least and the lost and the lonely. In Luke 4, verses 18 to 21, it says, Jesus is reading from the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the very important people, right? No, to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor among all the people that everyone else forgets. The poor, the enslaved, the disabled. All those people who get walked past every day, invisible to the world. Jesus said, I came for them. If you want to serve me, love them. See them. I was reading from Ezekiel this morning, I've been kind of marching through that. It's a tough book. There's a lot of hard words in Ezekiel. I was in Ezekiel 21 today, and it said, You, O profane, wicked one, prince of Israel, whose day has come, the time of your final punishment, thus says the Lord God. So he's, he's confronting the prince of Israel, right? the, the royalty. He says, remove your turban. Take off your crown. You proud royal family. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low. Bring low that which is exalted. He says, a ruin, a ruin, a ruin. I will make it. This also shall not be until he comes, the one to whom judgment belongs, and I will give it to him. That Ezekiel is... Promising that one will come to cast down the proud. To cast down the one who thinks he's great. The one who who sees himself as so important that everyone else is so lucky to have him, right? The greatest mom who ever momed. The greatest dad who ever dadded, right? The ones who are great. The really successful the really smart. Jesus is saying, Humble yourselves. Love a kid. See the people nobody sees. In Robert Stein's commentary on the Gospel of Luke, he says, True greatness comes from serving. The first misunderstanding in this passage involves the nature of greatness. The greatness lies not in receiving preferential treatment from others or in having more authority than others, but on the contrary, it involves serving others, especially the outcasts of society represented by a little child. Greatness ministers to the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, who can never repay. Are you going about things the other way? Are you climbing over people trying to be the best? Trying to flex, to wield power, to garner praise? Are you constantly thinking about what other people think about you? The way of Jesus is to see the least among us and to honor them, to serve them. Um, I had this moment earlier this weekend. I was on my way to... um, my grandmother's funeral. She passed away a little over a month ago, and she was um, meeting my, my dad's side of the family there. I hadn't, didn't really know her very well, unfortunately. But on my way, I was like out of gas. I was like zero miles distance to empty, you know, like driving on fumes to this funeral. I pull over to get gas, and I stop into the gas station a few minutes early to get a drink. And I go to the, the cash register, and I'm getting ready to check out. And, you know, I do that all the time, and I never, like, notice the people in, behind the counter. It's always that, piece, that glass or whatever, and it may as well be like an invisibility cloak, right? Like, I just don't see past it, right? And I asked the guy, kind of the obligatory, how you doing? And he was like, oh, I'm not great. And I heard the sadness in his voice, and I looked at him, and I saw him. And I was like, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like, how can I pray for you? And he was like, well, I'm, I pray for myself. I'm a Muslim. I don't really want your prayers, but isn't the world bad right now? And I was like, yeah, it's hard. The world is broken, isn't it? And I was able to share some of the hope I have in Jesus. And he didn't, like, repent and weep. And, like, it wasn't like, but, man, like, I, I thought, like, that, this, this passage has been ringing in my ear all week, and I'm like, man, i, I got to see people. I've got to look for people that God has put in my life. I've got to see baby Jaden walking down the hallway and smile at him, right? I've got to see these image bearers of God and honor them. And in honoring them, I honor the one who saved me. The way up is down. Gosh, uh, this sermon is like my—it's like a long sermon. I'm sorry, um, I barely got the first service out on time. So, and we had to cut a song. So, second, the second way, um, the second second service, you don't get to cut a song. We just do—we just go along. So, um, the second story, uh, the way of uh, the way of Jesus is for Jesus together. Okay, thats, the, that's my. Um, Summary, but verse 49 and 50, John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop them because he does not follow with us. Can you hear the indignation in their voice? Can you believe it? These guys, the audacity to cast out demons in your name, they're not with us. And Jesus says, "Um, guys, right? Like, aren't demons bad? Yeah. Aren't I good? Yeah. Why is it bad that he's casting out demons in my name? Like, what's the, what's the problem, right? Like, well, but, but, he, but he's not with us, right? He's not, I don't know this guy, right? He, he's not one of us, so shouldn't we stop him? And we can look at that and say, man, how ridiculous. But how much of this characterizes the Western church right now? Right? We look around and we're like, well, they're not doing it like we're doing it. Right? They don't sing the songs that we sing. Right? They don't preach the way that we preach. Right? Yeah. They're like yelling in their church services. Shouldn't they stop? Shouldn't those people in Kentucky, like, give it a break? No, right? Jesus says, don't, don't stop them, right? They're not against us. They are for us. And let them worship 24 hours a day until I tell them to stop, right? And let them buy Super Bowl ads, right? Like, goodness, like the kingdom of heaven is bigger than we think it is, right? There are men and women and children worshiping Jesus around the world in some ways that we might find objectionable for some reason. And we think, well, they better stop because they're not doing like we're doing it. And Jesus looks at us and he says, well, hang on, stop it. They are not against you. If they are working in my name, you better get out of their way. Because you're not taking issue with them, you're taking issue with me. Right? And so Jesus is telling us, like, stop fighting with one another. Stop tearing the church apart from the inside. There's so much of that. And I have been guilty of it on my own, where I see something and take, oh, he should should have done that better, they should have done this different, and I throw out all my opinions and I feel like Jesus would just look at me and say, stop it. Don't get in their way. I'll handle whatever mess they're making and whatever mess you're making, because neither of you got it all right. We need to be humble people, and we need to be a united people. Man, like, this is the mark of the church, is that we would love one another. Jesus said, by this the world will know you are my disciples if you love one another, not if you're trying to hold one another down. Love one another. And now, I'm not saying there's no place for discernment. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be on the lookout for false teaching. Absolutely. But where Christ is proclaimed, even if it's a little different than what you're used to, even if there's some, some differences on secondary or, or third-hand issues, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna trust Jesus with the differences, and we're going to stay united. We're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and celebrate what God is doing among them. And they are not against us, therefore. So it's the way of Jesus is for Jesus together. Stop bickering and arguing. Let's stop our... Cynicism, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, on people who were cynical toward a acclaimed move of the spirit during his day. Uh, so, there were, so there were some people who were saying, oh, that's not really the spirit of God. Those people are just being weird. Some people are saying that about what's happening in Asbury right now. And Martin Lloyd-Jones said, God have mercy on them. It is better to be too credulous uh, than to be smug and dead. <laughs> a pretty good line. He's <laughs> like, man, I would rather be too hopeful for the work of God among us. I would rather be too full of hope that Jesus is moving in surprising ways in our midst, in our time, than to from my 1,000-mile distance say, that's probably not real. Man, God, that it would be real, that it would happen here, that, that God's presence and his power would, would move in, in, in such a way in our time, in this place, we would be united in our zeal for Jesus and that he would have his way in his church. We wouldn't tear one another down from the inside but that we would lift one another up, celebrate, outdo one another in showing honor and be full of hope. Whatever you want, Jesus, more of that, more of Jesus. The way of Jesus isn't tribal or splintered, but together as one for the glory of his name. And this looks like cooperation. This looks like celebration. This looks like, like collaboration. That we work together with churches in our region. That we celebrate when one church experiences like salvations and baptisms. On Wednesday, I'm going to get together with a bunch of pastors from Pearland. And we're going to pray that God will do a work in our city. That it's not redemption or Pearland goes to hell. We are one small part in the beautiful church of Pearland. And God is working throughout this city. We should cooperate with one another, celebrate with one another, collaborate to see the mission of God Continue this. We should be hesitant to trash talk other Christ followers who might do things a little differently. The way of Jesus is for Jesus together. Third. This is an interesting story. The way of Jesus is toward redemption, not revenge. Verse 51 to 56 When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now this is a hinge, this is a pivot point in the Gospel of Luke. This begins a section of Luke's Gospel that will last ten chapters. And everything in Luke from now until Luke 19 is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And this idea of him setting his face, like, I want you to picture like he is resolved that Jesus is like, this is the part where I go to Jerusalem to die, to raise, to ascend. I have work to do there, and everything I'm doing from now on is leading to that spot. So Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. And when he sent messengers ahead of him, they went and entered a village of the Samaritans who did not particularly like The Israelites, the Samaritans and the the Jews were not friendly with one another. And that So Jesus sent his messengers ahead. They entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So picture this. They go into town. They're like, hey, we've got like the Messiah needs a room. He's on his way to Jerusalem. So can you guys give us some places to stay? And they said, no. You can't stay here. And so a huge slap in the face. Like it's bad enough like in our day and age to hear that, to feel like we don't serve your kind here sort of moment, right? There's a deeply insulting thing in this culture, but in that culture, it, was, it cut even deeper. It's an honor culture and hospitality was huge. It was so important. And so for them to say you can't stay here is, is basically it's like saying we wish you were dead. Don't bother us with your presence. I don't want to see you. And the disciples were understandably fired up, right? They were so mad. I mean, like stomping mad. Have you ever seen like, a kid throwing a fit? They're like, can you believe what that guy said to us? And so they got really mad, really mad. And they were like, wait a second. Jesus was just hanging out with Elijah, and I remember a story, okay, that Elijah, like, called down fire from heaven and, like, burned up a whole animal and, like, rocks and water. I bet I could do a number on these people who were just jerks to us, you know? And so they're like, um, tell us to call down fire and we will destroy. We will wipe these people off the map, Jesus, for talking to us like this. Let us have revenge, Let me show them, put them in their place. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Don't you dare. He rebukes them. That's a pretty strong word. He said, You are wrong. And don't say that. And then what does he do? He goes to the next town on his way to redemption. That those people who said, we wish you were dead, you can't stay here, Jesus says, all right, fine, I'm going to continue on my way to go and die for you. Man, that's such a different posture. That his his face is set towards Jerusalem, toward redemption, not revenge. That he's not out there to, to bring fire down from heaven. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. And his disciples are like, let's do the condemning part. That sounds more fun. And if we're honest, we do that sometimes. Like we are way better at outrage than grace, if we're honest. When we feel offended, when we feel slighted, we don't want to forgive. I want to hold it against that person. I want that person to feel the pain I feel. And Jesus His impulse is completely opposite. He says, I want to go feel the pain they deserve so that they might know the love of God. And he sets his face towards redemption, not revenge. Who do you need to forgive? What grudge do you need to let go of? What are you holding on to that you're so mad about that you couldn't begin to pray for their salvation? I want to invite you to repent of your desire to have vengeance for yourself. That's what anger and and grudges are it is us saying, I will make them pay. even if it's in my own heart, even if I'm just punishing them in my own heart, I want them to feel what I have felt in, in the way of Jesus. As you see that? And you remembering Jesus, remembering him from the cross, looking on the ones who hung him there, who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's a call from Jesus to not hold on to our grudges, hold on and feed our anger, but there's a call to Jesus to trust God with vengeance. Trust God with justice. There will be a day that comes when everyone has to settle their accounts with God, when when everyone has to reckon with their sin, and God will repay. But that is not your job. That if if you take vengeance into your own, own hands, I promise you'll do it wrong. It'll only hurt you. It is the prerogative of the disciples of Jesus rather to carry forward the good news that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. So brothers and sisters, I want to invite you this morning to lay down your outrage, the things you're so mad at, and to humble yourself, set your face toward a Jerusalem where Jesus would Die for the people who hated him. And and, and this Jesus who tells us to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. Do not avenge yourselves. You are incapable of perfect justice. Only God can. And only God will rightly judge the sins that have been committed against you. And he will judge them either on the cross where Jesus takes their sin on himself or on those who have turned away from God. Leave it to him. In the meantime, pray for the salvation of your enemies. The way of Jesus is redemption, not revenge. Fourth, the way of Jesus is a clear-eyed commitment to proclaim the kingdom. That's a, that's a mouthful. This is my longest, this is the longest section of scripture. Starts in verse 57. There's three snapshots of people considering following Jesus. This is uh, again, again, I hope you see yourself in these three snapshots. I know that um, Guys, I don't, I don't know how to communicate like I want you to know Jesus really badly. And there are some things in your heart, in your life, that would draw you away from him. And Jesus is going to challenge those right here in these three little stories. If he hasn't already challenged you from these other three stories, these three rapid-fire decisions, conversations about following Jesus, and I hope you see yourself here. As they were going down the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Oh, can you see it? He's just so excited. He's like, I bet everybody even raising the dead. I'm so excited. Jesus, I'm in, man. Wherever you go, I'm following you. He's so excited. And Jesus, he's like, okay, hang on now. I need you to know something. I need you to know what it's going to be like to follow me. Um, you know, foxes have holes where they go and, and they feel safe. The birds of the air have, have nests. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, sir, but I'm homeless. And if you follow me, this world will never feel like home again. You'll be homeless too. You're, if you follow me, it's going to be a whole life journey to another kingdom. This place will not be your home anymore. You'll be a, a stranger and an exile. If you follow me, it's going to change everything for you. Are you sure? Have you counted that cost in your own life? Like have, you, have, you, have you considered that Jesus is calling you into a life that is radically different than the one you would plan for yourself? He wants you to be a sojourner and a stranger, that that this place isn't your home anymore, that that your life would be characterized by a longing for a kingdom that's yet to come. You want to follow me? Good. Follow me, but it's going to be hard. So that first word, the the way of Jesus is a clear eye. He wants you to have real clarity about what it is he's calling you to but the kingdom that you would belong to in his service. It's not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. That all of a sudden, because I'm following Jesus, the kingdom that is yet to come takes ultimate priority. We need to be really clear-eyed about that. The second story is Jesus telling somebody else to follow him. So he goes up to somebody, hey, you, follow me. Imagine this is you. Follow me. And the man, when he said this to he says, well, first, let me go and bury my father. This seems like a reasonable request, right? I literally, I just told you, I just went to a funeral, right? Like, was that, is it? Is it bad? Is that bad? We don't know exactly what the, the situation here. I mean, this man's father may not have been dead yet. And it's probably that he was maybe getting older. And he's like, I need I need to stick it out until my dad dies. Then I'll then I'll. Or I got I got a few things I got to take care of with the estate, right? Um, so I'll be there in a little bit, right? That and, and Jesus has a problem with this logic. Here's what he says. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. This is heavy words from Jesus. He's like, you you want to follow me, it means that there is something So important that the most important thing that feels like exists in your life is dwarfed in comparison to it. It's like, you want to follow me? There is nothing more important than the life I will call you to live. Go proclaim the kingdom. Jesus is saying, if we get too hung up on the things that we have left undone from the lives that we have lived before we followed Jesus or that don't have anything to do with Jesus. if If you feel like you've got to tie up all your loose ends before you can follow me, you will never follow me. The old hymn says, if you tarry until you're ready, you will never come at all. What Jesus knows about this guy is he's gonna go back and he's gonna deal with the things with his father, and then he'll find some other things to get to, and he'll find some other things to get to, and he will never follow Jesus. And some of that is you. Like, you thought, I mean, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I got, uh, you know, after I get that promotion. Uh, after my kids are in school or after my kids are in college or after my grandkids are in school or maybe when my grandkids go to college, I don't know what you're waiting for. Got to pay off this debt. I got to get this degree. Then I'll follow Jesus. And he's saying, no, just, just follow me. I got something more important than any of those things that aren't done yet. I've got a kingdom to proclaim. There is a world dying apart from a knowledge of the kingdom of God. What are you doing wasting your time on all that stuff that doesn't matter? Can you imagine having heard those words from Jesus? Even as you're sitting here, I'm, I'm imag- I, I bet you feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable saying these things to you because I realize that what I'm saying to you will cost you something if you believe me. What I'm saying to you, like I'm, I'm saying to me, and it's scary. Like That's a lot. Proclaim the kingdom. This is more important more weighty than any other agenda i can set for myself so he's looking for clear eyes know what you're saying yes to he's looking for kingdom proclaimers what's the last thing the final snapshot of this rapid fire discipleship discussion is there's one who says i will follow you but first let me go say goodbye to my friends and family and that, again, doesn't seem like a terrible request, right? I, ju- I just want to go say bye. One more party, right? One more night with my friends, right? One more time. I just want to go back for a second because I don't feel quite done with the stuff that, that I had before you. And Jesus looks at him, and and he knows his heart is divided. He's like, you don't mean it, man. He's like, you don't really want to follow me. You love the world. You love your sin. He's like, man, don't look back. Like, don't, like, if you want to follow me, grab the plow. Look straight ahead. There's work to be done. How many of us are tempted to look back? How many of you are like, yeah, just, just one more time in this sin, right? Just one more time pursuing this idol. Just, just one more time. It's the last time I promise, Jesus. I'm, I'm almost done, right? And we put him off because we love our sin more than him. back like i hope you feel the weight of that like that it's not he's not being mean like jesus is not being withholding he's saying there is nothing back there that's better than me there's nothing you want to go back and try or do one more time or 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 pursue one more one one more month there's nothing better than me don't look back your hand to the plow. Follow me. Commit. That's the last word of the my little phrase here. The way of Jesus is a clear-eyed, committed proclamation of the kingdom. Now, let's review for a second. If I haven't given you too much in my gigantic sermon. Four things I have told you about the way of the kingdom. The first one is the way up is down. To be great is to serve. The second one is that the way forward is is, is for Jesus together, right? That we're not dividing against one another. We're We're not setting up false enemies within the church, right? We are together for Jesus. Third, I said the way is toward redemption and not revenge. And finally, I I said that the way is a clear-eyed commitment to the kingdom that we're proclaiming. Now, how many of you can look at these passages and say, "Man, I am crushing it." <laughs> right? You feel so good about the way things are going based on these passages, I bet you feel conviction right now. I do. There's so much, like, weight in these words from Jesus. We would be foolish to see these things and ignore them or to act flippantly about them. Jesus is looking at us and saying, I want your whole heart, your whole life. Leave it all. Follow me. Man, it should... Way on us. That that should ring in our ears. That should should hit our souls hard. And I want to now, like, when we're feeling that, I want us to remember something very important. I want us to remember who's telling us this. This is Jesus. Right? And He is not out there up there, telling us to do that down here. He is next to these disciples. He is with us on this way. That he is not asking us to go a way that he will not go with us and for us on. That when, when he tells us the way up is down to serve Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Jesus understands the hardships he's calling us to and he walks them for us. That Jesus served the least of these and now he's exalted. That Jesus rescued people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That Jesus didn't seek revenge but our redemption. Jesus is clear eyed and committed to proclaim a kingdom. And to bring us into it. That the reason we can hear these words. And not be crushed under the weight of them. Is because of the one who spoke them to us. That he has loved us. He has offered grace to us. That where you have seen in these passages your sin. He is inviting you to repent. And believe. That he died for those sins and so my 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 conviction here is that the holy spirit not because of anything i'm doing because he uses his word is probably calling you to repent of something today There's probably something that came up. There's probably a pattern of your life, a posture of your heart that God is calling you to repent of. I just want to invite you to it. Guys, you're not in trouble. The Father loves you. He's inviting you to a better way that Jesus died for the sins you have committed, you are committing, and you will commit. And he's inviting you to repent and to trust that his way is better. And so I want to invite you to do that. So I'm going I'm to lead us in a time of prayer now. And I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. And I want you to get honest with the Lord right where you are, like, um, with whatever it is that's come to mind. To so pray with me, Father, we come to you. We are uh, some of us are cut to the heart by the words. Your word is a two-edged sword. It cuts us, God. We we feel seen by it. We feel exposed by it. Um. And God, we pray now that you would help us to repent. That you would draw us away from a self-reliant, self-serving, false religion. And bring us anew into the way of Jesus. Where he is leading us through his life and death and resurrection into a better way, into life that never ends. And so, God, some of us have been prideful, um, worried a lot about being the greatest, and we need to repent. We need to put that down and just serve and love the people around us. Not for glory, but because you identify yourself with little children. With the least of these. Help us to love like you love. To serve. Without the thought of how this makes us look or what it gets us some of us um, have been really uh, divided amongst other Christians got really um, like the disciples trying to stop the man casting out demons really tribal saying if it's not like us we're not interested And God, we have been prideful against other Christians who really love you, who really have your spirit and do things a little differently, might have some different opinions about various interpretations. And Lord, I pray that you keep us from pride and from division and that you would unite your church for the glory of your name. God, if that's any of us in this room, God, help us to repent of that. God, some of us are really angry. And like the disciples, we identify with the the desire to call down fire from heaven. And God, we have been holding on to anger. And I ask, God, you'd help us to lay it down. And as painful as it is, God, as hard as it is to, to put down our anger, God, would you give us courage to see past the offense to the cross, And pray like Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lay down our outrage and take up mercy and forgiveness and compassion. God, some of us have been flippant about the call to discipleship. Divided hearts. And God, we've just kind of put you off. We'll get to you later. And I pray that you help us to repent of that posture, God, that we would not wait until we're ready, or until we're done with our sin. That we would just Go. Help us to say yes when Jesus says, follow me. Help us to repent for all of the times and ways in which we have said, no, not yet, not now. Father, um, help us to, to continue in this spirit of repentance as we enter into Our time of communion as we remember the cost of our forgiveness that we can repent without fear of condemnation that you said that if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness that you are not waiting to strike us down when we admit we're wrong Um, rather you die for us you purify us you Sanctify us through confession and repentance. So help us to be bold in our repentance. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church. Um, once again, I have good news for you that your sins have been forgiven. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, through the victory of Jesus over the grave, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I will die to bring about a new relationship between you and God, where He won't remember your sins anymore. He'll give you a new heart. He'll cause you to walk in His statutes. So, as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. So, church, now is the time to remember: Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. If you need to spend some time praying, repenting, reckoning with the the call of Jesus on your life, I just want to invite you to do that. Take all the time you need. I certainly have. <laughs> Good then. Um, pray for our nursery workers that I'm keeping overtime today. Um, but as I'm praying, I want to I want to invite the the um, those serving communion to come forward and let's be serious about following Jesus as we leave from here. Amen. Father, we thank you for your, um, your word, your grace, your sufficiency. God, I pray as we respond now uh, through communion, God, that you would help us to, to take seriously this call to follow Jesus. God, let us not take it lightly. guys, as, as we walk down this oh god let it be us walking toward jesus afresh let it be us leaving behind the things that we have been holding on to let us be putting aside all the excuses we've been using and god let us go take and eat and drink and proclaim the lord's death until he returns god if there's anybody here who's not a christian god i pray you would bring them into real faith in jesus that when he says follow me that they would say yes today